Welcome along, I'm Alan Williams and this is the Alan Williams Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 50, the big 5-0, we've made it. Whoever thought we'd make it this far? I certainly didn't. <laughs> I started off recording the podcast back in March 2019, just over a year ago. There was a lot of different reasons for recording it. The first one was obviously to bring value to people, that I could bring some information to people and hopefully give them something useful, that they've got a resource where they're learning something every week or maybe they're getting a little bit of inspiration or a bit of motivation, just that they're getting something from it. That was the first reason. Beyond that, I wanted to challenge myself in a different way to see could I do it. And the solo the solo casts are really the tough one. I mean, it's easy enough for me to sit down and interview somebody. The solo cast is the tough one because some of those episodes are 45, 50 minutes long and to keep people entertained for 50 minutes is a challenge. So that was something I wanted to see could I do. And yeah, the feedback's been fantastic, but it's great as well. Just give me an opportunity to practice my speaking too. So there's a whole variety of reasons I wanted to do the podcast. And I think they've progressed quite well. And even it's funny because I think last week or the week before, somebody said to me they had just started and they were on episode three. And I was just saying on Facebook, I left a comment back and I said the newer episodes are probably a lot better. And it's really, it's great to see the progress if you go back now and listen to the first couple of episodes as opposed to number 48, 49, 50, I think there's a massive difference. So I've been able to see that progression within myself as well. And that was one of the main reasons I wanted to do it, apart from obviously helping you guys, which is always the number one reason. But it's incredible the level the podcast has grown to. And I never thought we'd end up reaching some of the places we're reaching. I was just looking at the analytics before I came on air just to see what's going on and maybe share a few statistics with you. And it, like it's just mind-blowing some of the stuff we've got at the moment. The podcast has been listened to in 25 different countries around the world. 25 different countries. Like, I never in my wildest dreams thought that was possible or that that could happen. I suppose it shows you the power of the internet as well. Like, that's where it's really been pushed out. But when you see some of those countries, I was looking through the list and you're looking at places like Morocco and South Africa and... Where, where else had we? There was Norway and Denmark and Malta and Greece and Luxembourg, Switzerland, all these places. It's just phenomenal to see. And it was, I do sometimes wonder who's that listening to me in, in Morocco, you know, but it's it's incredible to see it. And a big shout out to our Moroccan listener. It's probably only one person, but thanks for listening. Um, it's just amazing to see the statistics on it. It's absolutely mind blown. Obviously, Ireland is where our biggest listenership is still. Here's an interesting statistic, statistic, struggling with my words there, interesting statistic that I've seen when I was looking through those analytics, 58% of our Irish listenership is in Leinster, so Leinster is by far and away our biggest, our biggest location for listenership at the moment, within that Leinster listenership, 73% of those are from Dublin. So 73% of our Leinster listenership is from Dublin, which makes Dublin by far and away our biggest listenership. It's it's way out in front at the moment, which is a surprise to me because I really thought it would be probably the west of Ireland where I'm based. But we've got a huge following in Dublin, which is great to see. And Dublin, I will come and visit you at some stage. I'll do a workshop, I'll do a seminar, I'll do something for you. Without, without outside of that, Connacht is obviously in second place. So Connacht being where I'm based would be one you probably would expect to be up there anyway. So it's in second place. And obviously Sligo makes up a huge proportion of our Connacht listenership. So 44% of our Connacht listenership comes from Sligo, which is again, by far and away, the most of our Connacht listeners. So thank you, Sligo. Thank you for getting behind me. Um, What else do I got for you? Female listenership is 59%. So 59% of our listenership is female. 36% are male and 5% are not specified. So female listenership, 59%, male 36%. I'm pleasantly surprised by that. I honestly thought it would be a huge, 
huge bigger gap. I would have expected the female listenership to be an awful lot higher. It's great to see lads getting involved. It really, really is great to see lads getting involved because I would have always thought even going by my social media and that that my female following was probably 85, 90%. You don't get as many fellas. So it's really, really positive for me to see that lads are getting on board with it. And, you know, I talk a lot about personal development and making myself vulnerable at times. I mean, last week's podcast was quite vulnerable for me and there's a little bit more of that coming today. But it's great to see that lads are getting behind that as well and they're getting on board with it and maybe they're opening up a little bit more. So I'm delighted to see that that male percentage is as high as it is because I didn't I didn't actually expect that. So that's, that's good. It's really good. Age-wise... Most of our listenerships are in the 28 to 34 age bracket. So 28 to 34 is where the most of our listeners are coming from. But the age age differentials either side of that are quite high as well. They're not a long way behind. So kind of the mid-20s range up to 34. Or sorry, mid-20s range up to 28. And then you've got the other side of it as well where you got 35 to like 44-ish. So they're kind of the main, the main bracket where our listenership is. That's pretty much what I would have expected. Most popular episodes. Sorry, I'm going to get on with the podcast first in a couple of minutes. I'm just giving you the few statistics. If you're bored, you can fast forward. Um, most popular episodes we've had so far. Again, a few of these have surprised me because some of my favourites are not in the top five. Um, which is, is funny. You know, again, I, I loved some of the episodes we had with guys like David Gillick. And then we had Dr. Olivia Hurley. I loved those episodes. Um, we had Paddy Brosnan on, who's the mindfulness guru in Ireland. He's the main man episodes like that that I thought were really probably among my favourites actually haven't featured in the top five so some of these did surprise me in fifth place was the weight loss episode the weight loss episode so that is number what is it I didn't write it down it's 20 something the weight loss episode is in fifth place people always listen to weight loss stuff it's funny because I think the personal development stuff and the mindset stuff is a lot more beneficial I actually think sometimes even when it comes to weight loss you know, sometimes people know everything about food and everything about training, but they never spend time working on their mindset. And I think mindset is the key aspect, no matter what you want to achieve in life. But as soon as I do a podcast or I do a social media post that talks about abs or that talks about nutrition or that talks about weight loss, the clicks on it just go up beyond belief, which, you know, I, I just wish sometimes people would just take that bit of time to work on their mindset rather than just going straight for tell me how to lose weight, you know, because it's not necessarily in the actual facts about here, eat this, eat that. It's not necessarily about that. It's about your head, you know. So that's why I love the mindset stuff. But anyway, in fifth place is the weight loss episode. In fourth place was episode number two which is how your mindset shapes your life and again i'm guessing that's because people tend to just go to the episodes at the start and start off from the bottom up and maybe they don't make it to number 50 so that's at number two or that's at number four that's in fourth place is episode number two which is how your mindset shapes your life in third place was the very first episode we did which is probably the worst of the whole lot <laughs> in my opinion but again it's where people go that episode is it's just entitled who is alan williams who is alan williams that's episode number one that was at number three in our top five listenership, most listened to episodes so far. That's at number three. Second place in our most listened to episodes was episode number 27, which was was with Emlyn Mulligan, who is our GA player, obviously. That was a really good one. I enjoyed that conversation myself. It's over an hour long, so it's great to see that it got so much listenership. People have such such short attention spans nowadays that normally if they see an hour and something on a podcast, they normally won't even start it. So it's great to see that that one has ranked so highly. So that was at episode, that's at number two in our most listened to episodes, was the one with Emlyn Mulligan. 
And at number one, and it's no major surprise to me because he's a guy that's doing incredibly well for himself at the moment as well. And when we did the podcast, we got great feedback to it. Number one was episode number 14, which was our episode with Daniel Davey. So Daniel is the performance nutritionist with Dublin GA and Leinster Rugby. He's built up Food Flicker on social media, which has now changed to Davey Nutrition. So go and check him out if you're not already doing that. I think half the country has been cooking Daniel's recipes in lockdown. So myself and Daniel were in school together. Daniel was a couple of years ahead of me, but we would have known each other. Similar backgrounds. We weren't living that far apart. So um, yeah, Daniel's a friend of mine. So I got him on for chat and it was one of our most popular ones. So go and check it out. Not one of our most popular ones. It was the most popular one. It's at number one in the most listened to episodes at the moment. So that was the top five. Just thought I'd give it to you in case anybody's interested. Maybe you're not. Right. Let's get on with the podcast. I've bored you enough there with statistics and analytics. Um, well, I'll tell you another little story before we go. So, you know, I like to relay my little social media interactions because some of it kind of amuses me at times. But there was another one during the week I got and I just got a voice message left on Instagram. I wasn't even aware you could leave voice messages on Instagram, but it seems you can. This guy left me a voice message and he was saying, I've followed your stuff for a while and I love what you do. I love your work. And it was grand. I was getting lovely compliments. I thought, who is this guy? He's a nice fella. You know, I played the, played the recording and it's a Dublin accent and it's, it's nice to get a, a message from an Irish guy because sometimes you get them from further abroad and they've been following you, but they have no real connection to you. But this guy was, yeah, just saying he loved me stuff. And at the end of his message, then he said, I am, you know, a business mentor. I work with people like yourself, health and wellness coaches. So if you want to make more money or you want to reach a bigger audience, or whatever it is you want to do, just get back to me. So... I decided to better reply to him anyway because, you know, he went to the effort to leave me a message and he was quite polite. And when I clicked on his page, I just had a look because obviously you're not going to you're not going to sign up. Not that I was really intending to sign up anyway, but you're not going to sign up to somebody without checking them out. So I clicked on his page and even you talk about professionalism straight off, like his bio, like just the spelling in it was horrific. And I was just thinking, if you're looking to mentor business people and you're going to charge them a lot of money, at least be professional enough, professional enough to double check your spelling in your bio because there was so much, so much spelled wrong, which I don't want to be the grammar police or the spelling police, but that is a basic. If you're going charging people to mentor them, make sure you look professional. But anyway, I just replied to him and I just said, you know, thanks a million for getting in touch and really appreciate it. But I'm okay at the moment. I've actually took on business mentors in the past and I've spent a good bit of money on that. I'm happy enough with where I'm at at the minute. I'm managing it fairly well myself. And that was grand. I thought nothing of it. That's it. Now, end of conversation. And I get another message back from him going, oh, that's 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 perfect. Um, I'm glad you're happy. Just to let you know, all of my clients wouldn't be happy in their comfort zone. If you ever decide to push out of it, get in touch with me. I was going, fucking hell. <laughs> God, this guy clearly doesn't know me or hasn't been following my stuff for a while because the comfort zone is definitely not something I spend too much time in. But um, it just reminded me of something. My my mentor, Gary Vee, does always say, I call him a mentor. I've never met Gary Vee, but I love his stuff, follow all his stuff. And Reminds me of a tip he used to always give as well in terms of sales for people like myself or whoever is selling a product or a service. He used to always say, get to know your clients first and build up a relationship with them. So even with the likes of social media, that you're giving people a chance to get to know you, that they can see your personality and they get what you're about rather than just trying to sell them something. And the phrase Gary Vee used to always use, he used to say, don't be a 19-year-old dude trying to close on the first date. <laughs> and it was something that always made me smile and it, always, it was something that I always remembered. And when I got this message from your man, I, it was just the first thing I thought about. Don't be the 19-year-old dude trying to close on the first date. <laughs> put in the work, put in the groundwork, you know. So that was just something that came up during the week. I thought it was a little bit amusing. Some of you might enjoy it. Some of you might resonate with it. And if some of you are selling, selling products or services, create a relationship before you try and, before you try and close. <laughs> All right. 
We'll carry on, guys. So this week's podcast, I've took 11 minutes of an introduction, which is longer than normal. This week's podcast has been inspired by a show called Normal People. I watched it. I've been watching it over the last few weeks. I mentioned it last week on the podcast. It's been my bit of escapism during the during the pandemic. And it was filmed in Tubbercurry, where I spent a lot of time in my younger days. It was where I went to school. That was the reason I tuned into it. So... There was one episode on it last week that really kind of resonated with me and it was very, very relatable. And I spent the whole week deciding if I was going to speak about this on the podcast or if I wasn't because it's leaving me quite vulnerable here and quite open. But I did the same last week. I was kind of giving you a greater insight maybe into me and to how I function and how I think and where I've come from. And we're going to do a little bit more of that today. And I hope you don't mind that. It's just, I suppose at the minute I can't get guests and stuff on because I just feel like I don't want to go and meet people yet at the moment. I don't want them meeting me. And I do feel the quality suffers a little bit. You don't get as good a good an interview if it's not face to face. So for that reason, I'm, I'm not doing it. So I hope you don't mind me talking about myself too much. But that's kind of what we're stuck with a little bit at the minute. The funny thing is, though, after last week's podcast, I got some incredible feedback. People really enjoyed that podcast. But I've mentioned this earlier in the podcast again. The listenership on it was nowhere near as the week before. The week before was entitled um, Food Myth Busting. And that title, straight away people start clicking. It's this thing again where they don't want to work on their mindset. They just want to tell me about food. So I actually think last week's episode was a million times better. And that was the feedback I got on it from the people that listened to it. But the listenership wasn't as high. So it's funny how it goes. Um, but yeah, if you enjoyed last week's last week's podcast, it's probably a little bit similar today. Um, if you didn't enjoy last week's podcast, switch off now. <laughs> um, so today I am talking about fitting in versus belonging and what's the difference so fitting in versus belonging this has been inspired a little bit by normal people and i'm going to explain that further in a few minutes i know it's only a show but it's one that has been very relatable for me in parts and it's definitely one that's made an impact on me and i'm sure it has for many people watching it as well um fitting in versus belonging so fitting in fitting in means i have to be like you so this is when i speak in schools this is one I turn to a lot so the kids understand it and it gives them an understanding of being themselves and why they should be themselves. And I say to them, what's the difference between fitting in and belonging? And most of them can't answer the question for me, to be honest. And that's fair enough because they're young. They haven't experienced life as much as we have. But I, I'll, I'll always explain to them and I like to get them thinking first just to see can they come up with answers. Sometimes they will get it. Some will, but a lot won't. So to me, I define fitting in. Fitting in means I have to be like you. I have to be like you. Whereas belonging means I'm accepted from me. So I don't have to change. So effectively to me, I view fitting in as I have to change to be in line with what this group want me to be. Or I have to act a certain way because this is what they expect of me. Whereas belonging means I can go into a group or wherever an environment where people just accept me for who I am. And I'm not meant to change and I'm not meant to be anything different. And that is the difference. And this is one that resonates a lot, I think, when I speak about it in schools, because initially they're kind of going, what are you, what are you talking about? And they don't really get it. But as soon as you start giving that explanation, they can see it straight off. They know exactly what you're talking about. They know that. And we do this as adults as well. Changing the way we act and the way we behave to suit a certain standard or to suit a certain, a certain group of people or a certain environment that I'm in. And we all do it. We all do it. We're always that Carmelian is what you call it, I think. But it's like... With this group of people, I'm one person. With this other group of people, I'm a different person. Maybe there's certain environments that demand that, maybe in work situations that's sometimes required. But for the most part, I think you want to be yourself as much as possible. And everybody wants to be accepted for who they are. And they want to be liked for who they are. And if you're finding that that's not happening for you, maybe you need to find your people. And this is why normal people operate. Normal people resonated with me last week. 
And let me give you an example because you're probably going, what has normal people got to do with this? For any of you that haven't seen it, I'm not going to go too much into it, but the guy, the main character in it is a guy called Connell. He was brought up in the west of Ireland and it was actually filmed in Sligo. Most of it was in Tubbercurry, which is his hometown in this show. It's, it's under a different name, I think, in the show, but it was, yeah, effectively from Tubbercurry, similar to myself. Um, but he went away to Dublin. He got into Trinity College, so he went away studying. And last week they did a part on the show where in the latest episode, his best friend from home had killed himself. So it was a pretty heavy episode. But Connell went off to a counsellor. And during the course of the counselling, he was speaking a lot about the change in it, changes in his life in his life over the previous year or two. How he had left Sligo and he had moved to Dublin, and it turned out that he was finding it difficult to cope, and he was finding it difficult to make friends, and he was finding the whole change really, really challenging. And I was delighted that that was covered because I think that's a very real issue for young people, and I think it's one that doesn't really get mentioned. It's nearly just put on a, a face and go and do it and change who you are. I've seen this a lot, even with people in my life, where they've gone off, left school in the west of Ireland, and they've gone to Dublin, and they've almost changed who they are to fit in with a certain, maybe type of existence in Dublin or to be seen in a different way or you know they've they've changed maybe given up some of their values or maybe just changed some of their personality traits to try and fit in to maybe be more sophisticated in a different city or whatever so this was kind of what was covered on on normal people in that he was struggling to make friends it was a totally different lifestyle it was a huge huge change and when I was watching it it brought me right back to when I was the same I was going off to college and I didn't go to Dublin I went to Sligo but even that for me was a huge change because when I was, say, you know, I was in school in Tubbercurry, I actually grew up in a little place called Bunnanadden, which is like seven or eight minutes from Tubbercurry, but it's completely rural. Like it's really, really quiet. It's so tranquil. It's a totally different life. So when I went off to study then in, in Sligo, I, I moved to Sligo after a while as well. I was, I was living from home and I was working, you know, I was living from home for a while and I was in college and I was traveling up and down. Eventually then I moved to Sligo. And it was just a huge, huge change. And when I was watching Normal People last week, I could just identify with it so much because I felt like it was almost me that was in that scenario where he was struggling and, you know, it was just such a change and he was struggling to deal with that. And when I was watching it, I was just going, why, why did I not just move home? You know, why did I feel like I had to struggle through, feel like I had to beat this, maybe to show people something or to prove myself or, you know, because there's times when... It's making you unhappy and it's making you miserable and you're maybe just staying to prove a point. And, you know, you don't always need to do that. So it's always more important, I think, that you're happy. But I definitely, when I went away first, I found it, I did find it challenging because I was a very quiet person anyway. So for me, making friends was difficult. Certainly at that age when I was maybe, what age was I? I was 17, I think, when I left school and I went off to college. I went straight into college from school. So I was, I was very young, really. I'd never took any time out or anything. Sometimes I think nowadays they go traveling, they take a year or two and they maybe go and see some of the world and then they come back and study. I didn't do that. I just went straight into college. And yeah, it was a totally different world because you're going from this place where it's a very small rural setting and you know everybody. And even in school, you still, Tubber Curry, obviously it's a little bit bigger, but you still get to know people there and you're comfortable. And then all of your friends go off in different directions. And here's me going off to college and I didn't really know anybody. I mean, I knew a few people, but not well. I was effectively losing all my main group of friends. And it is challenging. It is tough for somebody who's introverted. It was extremely, extremely difficult. Um, and then I got a job. I was working in a gym and I got a job part time. So for me, this is where I speak about fitting in versus belonging. 
I felt at times in college like I didn't fit in because I didn't I didn't suit that student life and that was never something that interested me. I was lucky that I got the job in the gym because what happened there was I'd be in college nine to five or nine to six, whatever it was. And then I'd go off and I'd work in the gym for the evening. So I'd be in the gym again from six until maybe half ten at night. And, you know, that was kind of where I was more comfortable. And I didn't, I was on two student nights out in my whole four years in college. I was on two student nights out. That was how much I felt like I didn't fit in. I didn't, I didn't enjoy that scene. I didn't want to fit into that because it was not me. I was, I was comfortable with it. So I didn't want to do it. And I definitely, definitely it made it harder for me to make friends in college. The fact that I wasn't doing it. Because I think if you're maybe in that scenario or that scene where you're out with your group of friends you're in college during the day and then you go out with them at night you definitely form stronger bonds I don't think there's any any doubt about that so I'd never frown upon it it's just it just wasn't for me but I have no problem at all with students going and enjoying themselves and living that part of their life because it is a big part of growing up and it's not something I'd ever say don't do but it just it wasn't for me it wasn't something I was particularly interested in but I've probably felt like that that hindered me a bit in college that hindered my college life in terms of really getting to know people and really making acquaintances and forming bonds. It's different, I suppose, you're going to day to day and you do chat to people and you have your little groups. But I was never as engaged with that, I suppose, as the people who were living in each other's pockets all the time. Um, I hope this is making some sense. So, yeah, this was kind of why I was watching normal people last week and it was just, it was really resonating with me when the guy was talking about how he was struggling to make that change and how to adapt to the different environment. Um, so... Then I left college and I was working full time in the gym because when I left college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with myself. Like I, was, I was still quite young. I think I was only, what was I, 21 when I finished college. So I had a degree behind me at 21. So it was a bit mad, you know, and I still didn't know what I wanted to do with myself. But I was offered a full time contract in the gym and I took that because it was probably the easy option. And just I decided to just keep ticking along for a while. I didn't, I, just, I wasn't sure where to go. So that was what I did. I took on that and I was still living in town at the time and still what happened then you know I was still finding it challenging because I was I suppose I still didn't know that many people within the fitness industry I was quite new to it I was still learning all the time and the gym I was working in was part of a hotel group and then I discovered that obviously in the hotel there's an awful lot of people that are around that age there was people that were the same age as myself there was people that were kind of in their early 20s some of the older ones were maybe mid-20s late-20s but we had you know, you'd get to know people pretty well because there's a lot of different departments. Maybe you've got 80 different people working there um, and a lot of us are around the same age. So you start to get to know people. But again, their lifestyles would have been very, very different to mine because I was in the gym and that was the part of my life that I was really starting to enjoy. And that was what I was passionate about. But for a lot of those guys, I mean, they've come from college. They've lived the college lifestyle. The old stereotypical beans and toes thing was probably what a lot of them were doing. And they were still getting to know themselves at that young age as well and getting to know each other and getting to experience different parts of life that we've all got to do, I suppose. And over time, there was certainly a group of people that were just a really, really good group of people. So I don't want to I don't want this to come across wrong because I really like those people and I still get on extremely well with some of those people to this day. But at that time, a little Sunday club was formed nearly, if you like. And the, the Sunday club was basically... Sometimes, not all the time, but a lot of the time, on Sunday nights, they would all go out together after work. So at the end of the hotel week, Sundays is quiet. They'd all pack up for the night. They'd finish maybe 11 o'clock on a Sunday night and they'd all go off out. And there was always a house party after and it'd go on into the early hours. And this is where 
I was able to identify again with normal people last week because one of the mistakes I made, and I didn't know it was a mistake at the time, I was just I was just trying to make friends, I suppose, and again, you're trying to fit in and nearly having to change what I believe and having to change who I am to fit in with those groups. They started asking me, should come on out with us on Sunday night? And I started going out with them the odd night. Again, look, I was probably, maybe would have been 22, 23 at this stage. Started going out with them the odd night and it always ended up back at house parties and all this. And even then I was never a big drinker. Like it's, it wasn't, it's still not something I do, but I wasn't even back then. But I went along anyway, just to be social and try and try and fit in and make a few friends and all that sort of stuff. And I just remember like there was, there was nights I'd be looking around me, like you'd be back at a house party and it's just like the house would be like a bomb hit it and there's cans everywhere and there's just bodies all over the place. And I remember looking around like, and you go like, what am I doing here? And I just think to myself, like, what am I doing here? This, I don't, I don't want this for me. I don't like this. This is not, this is not who I am. What am I doing here? And then I'd leave and I'd walk home and like it was, obviously we'd be in town, so it's all within walking distance. But I remember many nights I'd walk home and going around my head, I'm just thinking, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And I don't want anybody younger listeners to take this the wrong way. Because I know that there are people that enjoy that lifestyle and that that's for them. And it is certainly a part of growing up. But I certainly had to question it because it was me changing who I am. And it was me changing a lot of my beliefs to try and fit in with what other people were doing. So this is why I speak about fitting in versus belonging. That was one area where maybe I was trying to fit in where I didn't actually belong. Now, I don't get me wrong. These are fantastic people. They're the salt of the earth. So I'm absolutely not saying a bad word about them. Some of them are still my best friends, are still among my best friends to this day. So I'm not I'm not criticizing them at all. It's more the scenario and the environment. And that wasn't really my thing. But I felt I was trying to adapt just to make friends and to be somebody that I wasn't really, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, that was that. Um it was, I suppose, what I realised was the more I tried to fit in, the more unhappy it made me. The more I tried to fit in, the more unhappy it made me. Because I was very cognizant that I was doing things that I wasn't comfortable with. Now, I, don't worry, I wasn't drinking massive loads or anything like that. But it was more even just being in those surroundings. I knew that I hated that because... To this day, I really struggle just even watching very drunk people falling about the place. I just find it really uncomfortable and it's it's an environment I hate being in. And even back then, I was aware of that. Whereas most people in those house parties, they loved it. It was They didn't even think about it. But to me, it was going around in my head that I don't particularly want to be here. I don't like this. This this I'm, It doesn't sit well with me. And the more I went to it, the more it made me uncomfortable. And that went on for a while because I'd walk home and I'd be going, you know, what are you doing? And I'd say, I'm not going to go back to that again. Because I'm not, I don't enjoy it. I'm not going to go back. Like I enjoy it earlier in the night when it's a bit of crack and there's a bit of banter. But the longer it goes on and people are getting messy drunk and all that. And like, to be fair, I just want to clarify here, as far as I know, it was only ever drink that was involved. Like I've never seen drugs taken or anything like that. I've, I've lived a sheltered life, but I never seen any of that. But earlier in the night, like I would enjoy it when people are just on a bit of a buzz and we're having a bit of fun and it's merry and that. And then the longer it goes on, and you just see horrible scenes and that. So it was making me more and more unhappy the more I was doing it. But then, you know, a few weeks later, someone would say, oh, we're going out tonight when you come out. And I'd do it again. And I'd, and I'd still feel like I had to just do it to stay in the loop or whatever. And eventually over time, I made the decision just to cut from that. And then, you know what? My relationships with all of those people were better when I did that. 
because then we had our friendships in work and we got on brilliantly and we'd see each other outside of work. But I wasn't there for the really messy house parties anymore. And that was for the best, as far as I'm concerned, because now I love these people to bits and I get on great with them. But we don't in, you know, I'm not in a situation where people are absolutely just falling asleep on the floor or on a couch out of their heads beside me. You know, so that was really when I speak about fitting in versus belonging. So I didn't I, I felt like I was changing myself to fit in. And I think we all do that in certain aspects of our lives rather than actually being who we are, just standing for what we believe in and belonging to belonging with those people and in those environments. And that was something that's really hit home to me over the years. And it's made a big difference to me. Where I felt I really belonged was obviously at home with my family, with my group of friends that I grew up with. Certainly there's a huge sense of belonging in those friendships that I've had since I was about four years of age. Um, And the other place I felt I belonged was always on the likes of a football pitch, was always in a gym, was always in a fitness environment. That's where I really, really felt I belonged. So going back to those college days when all, you know, the college crew were going out at the pubs tonight at night and I was going off to the gym I felt like the gym was where I belonged whereas I didn't feel like I belonged to the pub and that's still the case to this day um, I, I don't particularly enjoy those environments that much you know again I don't mind kind of going for a few sociable ones with a few friends but later in the night when things change I hate that <laughs> I don't enjoy that so I felt like I always belonged in the gym I always belonged on a football pitch that was where I was really happy and that was where the confidence grew from because I didn't have much confidence in myself at all like I was very introverted I was very shy low self-esteem confidence really grew for me by throwing myself into something that I enjoyed the more I did that the more I found people that think like me and people that act like me and people that have similar beliefs to me, people that have a positive outlook on life. So I speak about the gym and I speak about fitness, but once I started developing myself further, I was finding more of that in personal development as well, going off to conferences. I've mentioned this a few weeks ago as well, going off to conferences, finding people who think like me, people who are on the same wavelength as me. So sometimes you've got to go and find those people and find those environments. I certainly didn't have that on the Sunday night group. But when I started to go towards the things that really pulled me in, the things that I loved, that was where I found my people. That was where I found the groups where I felt really comfortable and where I felt like I belonged. From a very young age, I always felt comfortable with a football at my feet. Like I've always loved football and I've always been hugely, hugely into it. And, you know, it's it's funny because I felt like on a football pitch, I'm a different person. And to this day, I'm a different person. I don't really play much anymore because it's self-employment took over I can't afford injuries um, but always on a football pitch I would say I'm nearly a different person because I turn into somebody who is nearly a leader in a way I speak a lot on a pitch I'm constantly talking to people around me and I'm jabbering away all the time and you go here and you go there and you know I'm instructing and organizing a lot um, and then off the pitch I'm completely different I'm probably one of the quieter people so it's always somewhere I felt very very comfortable and it's I was just thinking about it the other day actually football for me when I started back, I was just thinking about the first time I really kind of stepped up. I was um, playing for my local club at the time. And I remember the first game I played for the men's team. We were junior football at the time, you know. Um, I was only 16. I was 16 when I played my first game of men's football. And I remember it was coming towards the end of the season. And this kind of happens quite a bit, I think, with the local junior clubs. The GA season starts up. And the end of the football season is coming. So there's a bit of an overlap. And what happens is the football team typically lose a few players to the GA because those GA fellas, that's their commitment and they don't want to they don't want to risk injury. So there's a bit of an overlap there. So what happened was a few of the fellas went off to play GA and then I think the local club was struggling for numbers. And I got a call and he said, Will you come out and play for us on Sunday morning? 
And now I was only 16 at the time, but it's funny because at that age, you have no fear. And as soon as I got the call, I was like, yeah, I can't wait. And I was buzzing for it. Got me shed pads off. I went and, geez, it was just, it was an incredible experience. Like I speak about belonging, but that was where I never felt out of place with that, despite the fact that a lot of the players I was playing with or playing against, some of them were probably twice my age. But I just, I still felt at home and just totally fearless. I went out and I went, I started the game and played well. And I played a couple of games towards the end of the season and I was making a bit of an impact. Like it, it was just one of those where you just, no fear. I was getting on the ball, just running at people and just felt so at home. It just felt felt natural to me. And I suppose I was, in later life, I, did, I, I played as a striker. But back then it's uh it's it's the lads who can run, <laughs> the lads who can run or put on the wings, I think. So I played as a winger and I was up and down the pitch and, you know, I was light and I was small and I was fast. And, you know, I just I just love that because I felt like some of the older guys, I actually felt like I had an advantage because I, had, I was so much quicker than them. And in the end, I think they just go out to kick you really as much as anything. But uh, no, it went really well. And then I remember we got to a cup final that season. Now, I'd only played a couple of games because it was near the end of the season anyway. So it was within the space of probably like two, three months. I went from being this 16-year-old who had never played men's football to being on the bench for a cup final. I didn't play the cup final because, again, the lads that, the GA lads, they all came back for the final. And, of course, I suppose they've been playing for probably 10 years, so you couldn't begrudge them. So they went straight back into the team. So I didn't play, but it was the most incredible experience. I was I was on the bench for the cup final and you're looking around you and there's a crowd there and, you know, your family and friends are there. And, you know, those people I was in school with were in the crowd and, it was just incredible because I remember even going in before the game, I was in the change rooms. I'd never experienced anything like this in my life. There was a match program for the cup final as well. So like just, we were reading through the programs. There was one set out, like I think nearly for each player around the dressing room. Like So there was there was loads, you know, as we were sitting in our, in our spots, there was a, a program in our spot. And just, we were just reading through the programs before the game and it was just the most surreal experience. You know, the the players, there was a little profile or a little bio on each player at the back of it and it's it's incredible because it was given all the the player and their position and their occupation and what to do and you're seeing lads like construction workers or um, engineers all this stuff and then you see at the bottom I, I just thought it was totally surreal I just see Alan Williams um, position striker occupation student and it was just I look back at it now that program is still at home my mother's house somewhere you look back at it now and you're going you know student it says but I was actually in school it was a school student like and you're you're in that situation where you're with, I suppose, a team where you're the youngest. Everyone's older. You're going out to play against older players. But I always felt I belonged. And I always felt that that was my natural environment. And I've always had a little bit of that in the gym as well. The gym is where I'm comfortable. It's where I've met people who think like me. People who are on the same wavelength. People who love the same things as me. And that, to me now, is much more enjoyable. And I'm much more contented in my life than the scenario previously that I spoke about. Where it was maybe going out on Sunday nights with people who were getting hammered drunk just for the sake of trying to fit in. So I would very much say to you, think about the things that you're passionate about. Think about the things that set your soul on fire and then go and do those things. And you might think initially, but nobody else does that or I'm on my own there. I guarantee you, you'll, they'll, they'll be drawn to you if you do that. Your vibe attracts your tribe, 100%. This is the same when I run fitness classes and I've been doing fitness classes for the last number of years. One thing I've always, always tried to do with fitness classes is get a sense of belonging and a sense of community. I still do it with my online courses and I think that's why people do really well because you're creating a bit of a team effort and you're making people like feel like they're part of something. They're part of something bigger. And when you do that, they enjoy it. 
when you give people that sense of belonging. So the first thing I always focused on when I started fitness classes was make people feel welcome when they come in the door. That was always the number one thing and it still is. Because if you don't do that, it's not nice for the person coming in the door. You have to put yourself in their shoes. If they come in and they've never been in this environment before, maybe they don't know anybody. And this goes back to something that I've experienced myself when I've gone through college and all that, which is why I make the extra effort now to make sure nobody else is in that position. So when they come in, you take 30 seconds to a minute just to have a chat with them, just to put them at ease, just to talk about anything at all, just to make them feel like they belong and that they're important. And I think that's one of the greatest things you can do for anybody in life is make them feel important. And don't go straight into talking about yourself and telling them how great you are. Ask them about their life. Ask them what's going on with them. Ask them how they are. Have a conversation about them. Make them feel good about themselves. Make them feel important. I think that's one of the most powerful things any of us can do. And we all have the ability to do it. It's the simple things, guys. It's when you go into a supermarket and you're queuing to pay. It's smiling and having a chat with the person at the counter and saying, how is your day and how are things going for you? That person could have been working for eight hours off their feet. Nobody's bothered to have a conversation with them all day. They're taken for granted. It's those small little things that make the world a better place. And that's what gives people a sense of belonging. That they feel like they're part of something and that they feel like they're important. I speak about it in corporate environments as well. Same thing. Make sure all your workers feel like they're important. Feel like they're important, part of something. Feel like they're contributing to something bigger. When you do that, you're going to get a much more happier, productive staff. So it's really, really, really important that we have that sense of belonging. So that was just something I wanted to touch on today because I felt like when I watched uh, when I watched normal normal people last week, that was one thing that really hit home to me. And I've spent the whole week deciding if I was going to tell you that much about myself or not. But here we are. Um, and even along the way, there's been a few decisions I've had to make. And when I watch normal people again, it was just so relatable. It almost it almost felt like it was me sitting in that chair because there was a couple of times where. Like over the years again I've had opportunities like people have said to me to move to Dublin and you know you'd do well up here and there's loads of opportunities for you and I knew in my heart and soul if I moved to Dublin I'd be utterly miserable like I'm such a country boy I'm just I love the quiet life I love the rural life and even when I visit Dublin it's fine like it's grand friends up there and I'd visit sometimes for a weekend but at the end of the weekend I just want to get out get out of there and I know we have a huge Dublin listenership so I'm not trying to insult you by any means at all all I'm just saying is it's a different way of life and it's not something I would have been comfortable with. And I'm sure it will be the same for you guys if you arrive down to the west of Ireland. It will be a total adaptation for you and totally different. So it's just been self-aware enough, I suppose, to maybe not put yourself in that position. Because I could have gone to Dublin, I suppose, and maybe I could have made more, more money and could have had more opportunities. But I didn't want to do it. I would rather stay where I am. And again, it's not it's not like that guy on the message said to me last week, staying in the comfort zone. It's not that because I'm not in the comfort zone at all. I'm pushing hard and I'm doing what I love. But I'm happier here and I'm more contented here when I have the beaches beside me and all, you know, it's just, it's a different world, but it's each to their own. A few years ago then, I had another opportunity to move to Australia and it was a similar thing. You know, I I had just, it was kind of a turning point in my life. I was at a bit of a crossroads in my life because I had opened up a gym. The gym hadn't gone well. It had failed. I stayed for a year and during that time, I had a lot of decisions made and I decided that when I finished, I was going to go online with my business. And I was going to just get into speaking a lot more. And these were the things I really, really wanted to do. So I had that decision made. But coming up towards the end of my time in that gym, I was speaking to somebody who was living in Australia at the time, was back in Ireland. And I suppose she could see the potential in me. And she could see that despite the way the gym was going, that I was actually quite good at what I do, believe it or not. Um, so she had a lot of faith in me. And she was trying to get me to go over to Australia and work. And she was saying, you know, I see 
personal trainers on Bondi Beach every day and they're making an absolute fortune and I promise you you're a hundred times better than they are and it was lovely to hear I suppose but I didn't want to go and she she was even saying you know you can stay with us you can have our couch for as long as you need until you get set up and then when you're on your feet you can go and get your own place or whatever you want to do but there's a great life for you there and there's probably a lot of money to be made for you there if you decide to go down that route but again I knew I knew in my heart and soul if I moved to Australia I would have been lost and I know loads and loads of people do go to Australia and I think it's great for the people that do enjoy that and love that lifestyle but I just think for me I'm such a homebird I think I would have been okay for two weeks and then I would have been homesick and I want I would have wanted to get home and even like I even find now living in a town and this is one of the things that lockdown has really done for me it's helped me get a lot of clarity on a couple of things one of the decisions I have made over the last couple of months is that I'm moving pretty soon probably within the next two years at the most when I get finances and stuff set up I'm definitely going back to the country life because that's where I'm happiest and that's what I enjoy so um, lockdown hasn't been all bad and I think it's maybe given us a sense of perspective and it's made us realize what we enjoy and what we don't particularly enjoy and I found it because I live in a town now and I found when I was not able to leave town for two three months at 2k then it goes to 5k you're still in town I couldn't get out of town I couldn't get out to the countryside I couldn't get out to nature and that's the stuff that really puts me at ease and that's the stuff that really brings I suppose a, a sense a sense of contentment to me and it keeps anxiety in check and it keeps my stress levels down so there was times during lockdown when I almost felt like I was in prison the fact that I couldn't get out of town and, and from there I decided well the question I asked myself I'm great at asking questions by the way sometimes like I'd, I'd go deep on them and one of the ones I put out on Facebook was last week I was just actually putting it out there I got a good response I said you know, if you're thinking of doing something, what's the worst case scenario? And if that happened, could you deal with it? So one of the questions I asked myself around lockdown was, you know, when I was thinking about what makes me happy and what doesn't make me happy, I asked myself, if you knew you only had five years to live, what would you do? If you knew you had only five years to live, what would you do? And my answer came straight away. I said, I'd sell up and I'd move home. And then I thought to myself, well, if that's the scenario, if you knew you only had a certain amount of time to live, why are you holding on now? Why are you waiting when you know that something else makes you happier rather than where you are? So that would just help me make a decision. Maybe it's going to help somebody else out there make a different decision. But it was something that I definitely, you know, I think it's great to have self-awareness. I think it's great to ask good questions. You know, I consider those type of questions to be really good questions. And I've mentioned this before, but a great Tony Robbins quote that I really like. He says, ask better questions and you get better answers. So ask better questions and you get better answers. So, you know, there were a few things I wanted to just touch on today. Give you a few thoughts around fitting in, belonging and the difference between them. And again, look, I've kind of woke myself up here a little bit today. Um, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. I decided last week and this week I was going to do that. It's probably back to more normal podcast last week. But I don't particularly like talking about myself too much. And I just I feel like sometimes it's better. It's better to let people get to know me a little bit. I'm not going to speak about myself ad nauseum and have you guys thinking this is the most egotistical maniac we've ever come across. So I'm kind of done with some of the deeper stuff. But look, I think sometimes as well it helps that people, you know, tell them a story. They can relate to it a lot more. And I found that all the time as well, even when I do gigs and I do workshops. Tell a story, people will remember it. Tell facts, they'll nod their heads and they'll take it in. But the next day it's forgotten. Whereas you tell a story that links it to that point, 
they're going to come back and they're going to say to you in five years time Jesus I remember something you said at a workshop it was about this and you told me that story and yeah that's stuck in my head ever since you know so I just think it helps sometimes it really makes people understand what I'm talking about that's where I've gone into a little bit more detail telling you a few little stories um, so yeah did you ever ever think there'd be an episode of the podcast inspired by normal people <laughs> I didn't I didn't but it's not the worst I'll show in the world um, I haven't seen the ending yet I think it was on last night I'll watch back at some point um, that's it guys that is it 50 episodes of the podcast, 50 not out, we're still here, I hope you've enjoyed them guys, I really hope you have got something out of them, that's the whole reason of recording them, it's no, there's no point in me doing it if you're not enjoying them, if you're not getting something out of them, um, so yeah, genuinely over the course of 50 episodes, if there's one thing you've took from it and there's one thing that's resonated and one thing you've gone that's helped you change your life in some way, then all of those 50 episodes and all of the time that I've been put into them were worth doing. So that's it, guys. Thanks for your support. It's always appreciated. Um, yeah, thanks a million. And if you enjoy the podcast, share it out. Get it to more people. That would be great. Thank you, guys. 50 episodes wrapped up, done and dusted. We'll be back with episode number 51 next week. I shall talk to you then. Have a good one.